Welcome to The New Way, the bite-sized podcast for leaders and executives like you who want to transform their organisation and inspire people to work in new ways. Forget stalled progress and disappointment from upstairs. Each episode, I reveal how to communicate your vision, drive change, and become the leader that everyone loves. No BS or fluff, just the practical info that you need. I'm Dr. Kate Byrne. Get ready for actionable insights, mini execution plans, and game-changing secrets from my 20 years in the trenches, supporting senior leaders to introduce the new way. (laughs) Let's get started. Do you focus on creating connection with your team and impacted stakeholders? How connected do they feel to you and to the change initiative that you're delivering? Why would creating connection even be something that you'd intentionally consider? Well, my guest on the show today is Mel Kittle, and this is exactly what we're going to talk about. Mel is an expert on fully connected leadership and communication. She works with leaders, teams, and organizations that want to achieve real connection and sustained engagement. In fact, in January 2020, Mel was recognized by Leaders Hum as one of the top 200 business voices in leadership for the year, one of only seven Australians on the list. Mel is a speaker, a podcast host, and an author, and her latest book, Fully Connected, has just come out. And as you're about to hear, Mel has a lot of cool insights to share about this idea of connection and why it's especially important for change leaders. We talk about why thanking your team is more important than you think, what it means to be connectable the top traits of connected leaders, and whether or not it's easier to create genuine connection in hybrid teams. Mel also shares some really practical examples of unique ways that leaders can create connection in their teams. (laughs) really made me laugh. I think you're going to enjoy it. This was such a fun conversation. Okay, let's dive in. Mel, hello. I'm so excited for us to talk today. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much, Kate. It's so lovely to meet you, even if it is online. (laughs) I agree. I agree. And even though people are just listening to us right now, we have really clear video. It's all, it's like we're in the same room together. It's wonderful, even though it is a really, really rainy day here for me. So hopefully I've got my fingers crossed that the audio you know, it still sounds crystal clear for everyone. Well, it's an amazing day for me. I'm in Caloundra on the Sunshine Coast and it's almost shorts weather at the moment. Oh, so sorry to everybody where me. it's not. <laughs> Although the ECA, the ECA, which is the Brisbane, um, the Queensland Agricultural Show starts next week and that typically and traditionally brings very cold wind. So I suspect that my short wearing is very short-lived at the moment. Oh, live it up. <laughs> live it up. Please wear all the shorts for me because in Canberra right now we're getting minus three in the morning kind of temperatures. Oh, guys, Mel just pulled a face, which is a very reasonable <laughs> face to pull when I when I say that. So I want us to dive straight in because I know we're going to have a great conversation. There's so much I want to ask you about. I'm just going to start, I think about this as the beginning of things. Why is it important for leaders, and I'm particularly interested in change leaders, but I'm guessing this is important for all kinds of leaders, Why is it important for them to create connection? Connection is the essence of life. 
you know, if we don't have connection with other people or with ourselves, then we don't feel like we belong. And as humans, we inherently need to feel like we belong to something. And so the reason it's so important for leaders to cultivate connection in the workplace is so that their workforce feel like they're a part of something and that they belong at work. <laughs> Ooh, I love that. And I know that belonging is such a uh well, it's always a powerful idea, but it is something that's really top of mind for so many at the moment. That's what we as employees, we want when we're working with people. And it's also, I don't even think it's an employee thing. I think it's just a natural human state. We want to feel we belong. It is. And I think it's even more important at the moment because loneliness is this growing epidemic in the world. And COVID exacerbated that. But even before COVID, more and more people were feeling lonely in life and lonely at work. And when you feel lonely, you can't be your best because your anxiety increases, your risk of depression significantly increases. You don't usually feel good about yourself. And I know if I feel when I had times at work where I just felt really lonely at work, the first thing to slip was my self-care. And, you know, I'd eat a lot of takeaway and I'd drink a lot of alcohol. And that's not good for anything. And, <laughs> and the, then it's a the bad cycle. But it's a yeah. bad cycle as well because everything is human beings were related. We're not robots. So, of course, that impacts your performance, how you turn up, your confidence, your capability. Yeah. That's it. Oh. That's it. And it also affects your memory and, you know, your executive function and your the way that you do things and remember things and can be strategic or can be higher functioning in, in life in general. Yeah. I love this focus on connection because, of course, I understand there's a personal element to it and a sense of connection helps us as humans thrive, but it's also very relevant for organisations of all shapes and sizes to kind of seek this out because there are clear links to improved performance, organisational performance as well. It's not just an airy-fairy, nice-to-have kind of oh, thing. Oh, no. Not at all. It's, you know, when we feel connected, we are happier and we're healthier. And so that has huge impacts on the workplace because obviously when you're healthier, you have fewer absent days. You're less likely to need to leave work for medical appointments. You're more likely to be focused at work. You're more likely to have higher levels of productivity. And, you know, that means more money and more profit for workforce workplaces. But the other thing, when we feel connected, and we feel, particularly when we feel connected within ourselves, we bring a different level of energy to work and we are far more likely to have a positive energy. And when you have a positive energy, that rubs off on people. Oh, 100%. I could totally agree. There's that term, I'm not going to remember the words right now, but that bringing that energy beyond you know, just the basics that are required to kind of meet the requirements of your job. Really thriving organisations have got humans bringing that additional level of themselves and energy and innovation and creativity to work with them. Yeah, Absolutely. I think this is such a great topic to talk about. There's so many layers of why this is so important. So tell me, how do you define the concept of a fully connected leadership. What does that mean? I think when you're fully connected, you have a really good level of self-awareness. You know who you are, you know what you stand for, you have a really clear sense of values, and you 
have a good set of priorities that you work towards achieving. When you're fully connected, you're also really good at self-motivation and taking action so that you achieve what you want to achieve from life and from work. And finally, when you're fully connected, you prioritize self-care because you recognize that if you want to be the best you can be, you need to be eating the right foods and drinking the right things and getting enough sleep and exercise and resting during the day and moving and doing things that bring you joy. And so if Mm. you can do all three of those things, then you're well on your way to being fully connected. I'm really curious about that. something that I've seen you write about and I've been, you know, when I've been stalking you, is this idea of being a connector bull leader. It's not just about creating a connected team or environment, but being a connectable leader. Can you talk to me more about what you mean by that? When I wrote this book, the first version of this book was on connectable leaders. And then I thought, hang on, before you can connect with others, you really need to connect with yourself. So stay tuned for the next book. (laughs) But a connectable leader is somebody who people gravitate towards. So It's more than charisma because charisma can be used for evil, but connected leaders, leaders who are connectable are usually showing qualities like kindness and empathy and vulnerability and authenticity. And by demonstrating those qualities, they show that they're not scared to go deep on their own emotions. And when you're, as a leader, when you're prepared to demonstrate your inner vulnerabilities and your inner thoughts and feelings, that's really attractive to other people. I agree. I think kindness is such a critical kind of uh, element of it, isn't it? And kindness in business, kindness at work is a fascinating topic and particularly kindness in change and change and organizational transformation. And I think there's lots of opportunities for leaders through the change journey um, with their teams and employees to display some of those traits that you just mentioned, kindness, authenticity, vulnerability. The thing about kindness is a lot of people think it's bigger than it is, but the easiest way to show kindness at work is to simply say thank you. And some research that I found showed that only 30% of people thank their co-workers. And it gets better. There's a lot of leaders who don't believe they need to thank their staff because they pay them. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Because that's kind of old school. I feel like expectations, employees and humans have got different expectations for the workplace these days. But look, how do you define employees and humans from an age perspective? And I like your comment of it's old school. A lot of leaders are old. And so a lot of leaders are demonstrating, a lot of people managers especially, um, who aren't necessarily leaders, just because you've got people under you doesn't mean you lead. A lot of people who are older have that mentality still. Like I've certainly had bosses say to me over the years, oh, why should I thank you? I pay you. And I just went, okay, I'm not going to be here for very long if that's your attitude. But I think if you're leading a team of younger people, particularly, you know, in their 20s and 30s, there's this expectation now that you will demonstrate some gratitude for the fact that they've turned up to work, regardless of whether they're paid or not. Because I feel that people now, younger generations especially, I'm Gen X, so younger um, than, than my Gen X, 
feel that they have so many choices because they do. And with, you know, the so-called great resignation that's happening, if you're not demonstrating that you value your workforce, why would they stay with you? Like, seriously, there's a lot of options out there at the moment. There are a lot of options. Uh, yes, there is. Uh, uh, the, the talent wars that are happening at the moment means that employers really need to focus on thinking about what their employer brand is uh, and how they can bring those brand values to life in really practical, grounded kinds of ways. Absolutely. And also, what are your values as an organisation? And not only what are your values, you know, they're more than words on a website. How do you live your values and how do you demonstrate or how can you demonstrate that you live them? And how can you do that through sharing posts on LinkedIn or talking about things on your website with case studies and having your clients and your customers talk about how great it was to work with you because of the experiences you provided and how you made them feel? Oh, there's a whole other conversation there about how organisations can present themselves and engage with social media and how leaders can connect on social media and that type of thing. Oh, I've got so many questions I, I, I want to ask you. I can talk about that for hours, by the way. <laughs> the core part of what I do is, um, or what I used to do especially, was working with leaders and organisations to help them amplify their presence online and to create a community online. And if you're wanting to attract millennials in particular, and you do not have an active social media presence, either as an organisation or for the leader, the leadership team and senior exec in your organisation, then how are they going to find out who you are, what you stand for and what you value if you're not going to the platforms where they go to get information? Yeah, most federal government, state government agencies and departments, of course, do have that public-facing um, presence for the organisation. But in terms of the senior leadership um, group and, and uh, leaders having uh, being particularly active on social media, that is a very mixed bag. Some people do it, some people are not present at all. So it's definitely something for people to think about, particularly in that kind of under that umbrella of connection. I want to ask you about kind of inside the organisation and coming back to connecting with team and that type of thing. I want to ask your opinion about whether or not now that so many teams are working in a hybrid kind of world or entirely remotely, is it still possible to connect, you know, with authenticity and be vulnerable using those kinds of channels? Yes, it is. And it's a lot more difficult. It's far, like one of the ways that you connect is by asking questions, really listening to responses and observing. And when you're online, you can ask questions and you can listen. It's really difficult to observe body language and behaviour because you only see people often from the neck up. And so it's more difficult to get that sense of what might be going well or, more importantly, what might be going wrong with people. The other thing is we know when we're online, so many people don't have their cameras on anymore. And so many people online, it's a whole lot easier when you're in a meeting or having a conversation with somebody online to be multitasking and to be looking at that second screen or to be distracted by the dog outside or the courier driver who's arriving or, you know, the other people in your home or in your office or wherever you might be. And it's less obvious that you're distracted. So I think that organisations 
really need to think carefully about what is it that they can do to connect with people when there is a hybrid workforce. And if you're wanting people to come into the office, either all the time or some of the time, you need to give them a really good reason. And if you just want them to come into the office so they can spend the day on Zoom calls, that's not a good enough reason. Yeah, I think that a lot of um, uh, government agencies at the moment, public sector um, agencies, that's something they're really grappling with. What can hybrid mean and how can they take, you know, what? where are the opportunities with that? How can they take advantage of those. Are you seeing anything that's particularly working really well for people to create that sense of connection in a hybrid world? So I've got a colleague whose organisation has run in a hybrid way forever, ever since it started. She's Melbourne-based, has staff all around Australia and a few staff internationally. And the way she made it work was that she had an office in Melbourne with desks for people that wanted it, either some of the time or all of the time. But every quarter, she would bring her whole workforce together for three days, which was a combination of strategic planning, operational planning and social get-to-know-each-other fun activities. And this was mandatory. She paid everybody's expenses to come from wherever they were around the world. She said it cost her a fortune, particularly for her international staff, but it was worth every penny because it was a really good opportunity for that for them to get to know each other off a screen, but also, you know, by doing fun things together. So she said sometimes they'd go 10-pin bowling, sometimes they'd go axe throwing, sometimes they'd go to the movies together or they'd always have a few meals together. And she said it was just such, because it was fun and it had a clear purpose and they knew what they were going for, people were really happy to be involved in that. And she also made it a not negotiable condition of employment. Interesting. That is good. That's good food for thought for people, particularly in these large organisations. And as you're moving through a change program or a change journey, how can you connect with people at key kinds of times or create key milestones or events or moments for people through that? I think particularly from a change perspective, change is change can be so overwhelming, whether you're on the periphery of it or whether you're involved in the process. And so I see this massive opportunity to come together to celebrate each step and even some of the smaller steps. One of the things with the change programs that I've been involved with is we always recognised the big milestones, but sometimes the big milestones were six months apart. And when you're deep in the weeds of the crap that comes, you know, raining down (laughs) upon you when you're on a change program... Sometimes you need to be celebrating once a day. <laughs> yes, that's a great <laughs> reminder. I agree. People aren't celebrating enough or creating more opportunity for celebration, intentionally creating those opportunities for celebration that it's not just about the immediate change team and people involved in deploying or leading that change, but also in terms of the stakeholders that you're engaging with, people that are impacted by the change and bring them along the journey. I love that reminder to focus on celebrating the wins. Yeah. Yeah. But also celebrate, you know, the wins that people involved in the change have personally. You know, change projects normally go for a while. And so there's bound to be, you know, births and marriages and engagements and big birthdays and big things that happen in people's lives over that time, why not celebrate that? 
I worked in one um, workplace years ago and we were a team of 12. We were all women. We all had a different star sign. And so every Monday morning in our staff meeting, we would read the horoscope from the Australian magazine, oh God, Mystic yes. Medusa. That's not in there anymore. And when that was taken out, there was outrage in our office. <laughs> But we read them all and so we all knew what our weeks ahead were going to be based on Mystic Medusa. I love that because that is so contextual to that group of people. It's really tailored. It's very personal. It is funny. You know, like there's a shared humour in that. That's a, that is a lovely way to create connection. But the other thing we did, and it, that was so much fun, it took about 10 minutes and it was the end of every staff meeting and it never got cut off. Like it didn't matter how late we were running, that was always done. And the other thing that we always did every month was celebrate whose birthday it was. And because we had 12 different months of birthdays for our 12 people, we had really Ooh, good cake handy. once a yeah. month. And we had a cake budget. Yeah. <laughs> we were a quasi-government organisation and my boss managed to sneak in a cake budget from what was at the time one of the best cake but you know in that's interesting uh, both of those examples the cake and the, the adding the star sign I'm going to laugh about that all afternoon uh, adding the star signs to the end of the team meeting all the time <laughs> they're actually great examples of things that are very meaningful that don't cost very much you don't need a very large budget for those and they don't take very much time adding that on as an agenda item as a light-hearted agenda item at the end is 10 minutes a week or something like that and can be very impactful. Fair, you know, that to wrap that up, for our Christmas party that year, we um, went out for, we had a half a day spa at a spa in Brisbane and oh we had a psychic who came in God. and read all about palms. <laughs> and if you didn't want the psychic, you had the choice. If you didn't want the psychic, you could have another, another um, treatment in the day spa. And then we went out for dinner last night where we all just laughed our heads <laughs> off at what the psychic said. I love that. Okay, all. so that is taking, so the Christmas or the larger celebration is an amplification of what's been happening um, week to week. That's lovely. That's such a tailored, personal approach to it. That's great. I hope for people listening, that gets the ideas flowing for them. They can think about how they can create something really personal for their team and for their employees or for their organisation. In fact, I've got one more question for you. I know that... Um, uh, when we first started talking, we were talking about leaders being connected and creating connected, um, being a, you know, fully connected leadership and being connectable. I'm curious, can an organization or a project, a program, an initiative be connectable? Or is that something that is only a human trait? Oh, I absolutely think that projects and teams can be connectable. And the way I believe that you connect as a team is to make sure that individually your values and your priorities align with what you're trying to achieve as a team or through a project. Because when they don't align, I'm sure we've all had uh, jobs, I know I have, where my personal values have not even come close to aligning to the values of the organisation I've worked with. I thought they did, but the reality was quite different. It's really difficult. It's really difficult to get up in the morning and take yourself to work when you know what you're doing doesn't have that personal yeah. meaning No, I love you. that. That's great to know. The reason why I ask that is because I think that there's so much opportunity. If 
and you've said that it is possible for an initiative, your change program, a, a project, the organisation to be connectable and to be um, kind of known for and to have traits that support that sense of connection, then that there's so much opportunity there in terms of how you communicate and brand your initiatives. You know, there's so many uh, link, linkages and opportunities for that. So that's really cool to know. And I think you just need to look at organisations that win the Employer of Choice Awards. They're clearly a connectable organisation because people want to work there and they don't just want to work there because it's a paycheck. They want to work there because of all of the good things that they've heard about working for that organisation. Yeah, because it's a great place to work, yeah. Exactly, because they value their people and they treat them fairly. Yeah. Oh, Mel, thank you so much. I feel like we could keep talking all day, but let me wrap it up there. Tell me, how can people connect with you and keep the conversation going? Oh, thanks, Kate. Um, the easiest way is through my website, melkettle.com. And I'm also really active on LinkedIn and Twitter at Mel Kettle. Um, less active on Instagram, but I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> we will link to everything in the show notes so it's really easy for people to get in contact with you and of course we will link to your new book as well so people can check that out as well mel thank you so much you've shared ooh, so much good stuff to think about i'm going to be thinking about it all afternoon i really appreciate it thank you thanks so much kate it's been great to have a conversation with you 